And I'm Hannah Hampton, and you're listening to HR After Hours. Well, all right. Welcome to HR After Hours podcast, the only HR podcast that is willing to try new things. You know, mix it up a bit. Explore some new exotic cuisines. We're in. Visit a new (laughs) faraway land. Sign us up. Jump out of a plane. I'm in, and I'll check with Hannah. Throw uh, our no. keys in the bowl. Whoa. Uh, now you're just getting so. crazy. If, if Hannah's into it, maybe. Uh, H-square, what do you say? How the hell are you? I am good. I'm not. The last two things, not into. Jumping out of a plane's not my jam. And throwing my keys in a bowl. <laughs> not for me, but, you know, it is what it is. How are you? I am great. I'm great. I'm I, I'm getting excited for the holiday season, or I'm trying to. And Good. partially, I think I'm in the the spirit of gifts and thanks early because I've been like busting a move to get my shopping done because of the supply chain and mm-hmm. everything they're saying about shortages. So if it was all a big ruse to get us to spend more money, well, they got the big mick. What's going on? Oh, just, uh, you know, trying to get my work done as we head into the holiday season. I've been busy at work and I've got some positions I'm trying to fill, which is just, it's really hard. (laughs) It has been crazy. Well, we both just mentioned the holiday season. What I didn't even think about, you and I have been discussing what's going on with the labor market and the talent pool out there. We've discussed the unengaged in our most recent episode, the clock watchers too. And at the same time, obviously, because I've not really wanted to commit to the topic because I think it's depressing as well as a lot of work is we've seen a, a mass exodus, people quitting left and right. No one's waiting in the wings to backfill these positions. I know it's, <laughs> it's so, it's just really hard. It's frustrating. I, my heart goes out to anybody who's recruiting right now because I know it's not easy and I don't I can't imagine that there's any industry right now that's easy to hire people. I just I can't put my finger on something because you know of course we know hospitality's been struggling. I think about healthcare, I think about just technology. Tech's always crazy. The unemployment rate for like tech jobs is 2.1%. So that's super low. I, I just there's it's really hard right now for any professional who's got to recruit. And I feel like a lot of companies are recruiting, which is great. But then where are the people? Where's our talents? So you could not have provided a better segue to how I'm going to discuss some of this. And you wow. were completely unknowing of how I was going to open this topic. But let me read something. And this is from the Denver Post by Judith Kohler. And okay. it starts with... You know the job market is tight when you worry that Santa Claus might not show up for his holiday gigs. (laughs) So Tom Hill, part of the team that manages Georgetown Loop Railroad, has been juggling employees and operations all year to deal with staff shortages. Until recently, he wasn't sure there would be enough Santas to meet and mingle with the passengers on the railroad Santa trains. So can you imagine that this this labor shortage and this market and this lack of talent is so flipping bad 
that we're worried about having enough Santas for the kids this year. Holy <laughs> shnikes, what is wrong with America? Okay, that's that's pretty crazy. You wouldn't expect that to be an issue, a red flag issue, but here we are. That's uh, I guess that's 2021. Yeah, I mean, basically, there's he's saying, you know, I've hired as many as I can that are good, you know, that I, they're hireable. I'm still going to be short. He said he could use 30 more. Um, so it's, it's one of those where there's no one that is not feeling what the pain that you and I, and the rest of the HR and hiring managers and recruiters out there are feeling right now. I just wonder where do you find Santa's? Is there a job board directed to them? Is there some special resume database? Where do you, where would you find a Santa? Is there like a North pole type of a... Let me tell you, you go to the Colorado-based Proper Way Santa Agency. Again, Mm. you did not, you don't have the article in front of you that I did. That's crazy. So there are staffing agencies that deal with Santas specifically. They are understaffed. They need more. So it's just like any other field. There is a shortage of Santas. We can't even get a damn decent temp Santa today, Hannah. That's wild. <laughs> wild and wacky stuff. You know, a lot of times we talk about, it's just this, the story's wild, us talking about this wild. Normally we talk about, you know, the articles, we share articles ahead of time. This is not what I saw. And I, I just don't know what to think. If we can't even hire Santa, what are we going to do? Let's dive right in. We mm-hmm. said we were going to talk about this, and I found an article that I think allows us to kind of hit the broad strokes on this podcast. And this is an article. It was released November 8th. It's by Janelle Marte, and it's six questions that could okay. shape the future of the U.S. labor market. And this is on Reuters. So what I thought we'd do is we kind of talk about the questions. I've got the the stats there reporting Some of these, though, it's they did what they had to do because there are some a lot of uh, intangibles in this topic. It's a lot of speculation because when you talk about why are people not going to back to work? So let's start with these and we'll kind of talk about them. So the first question uh, is how many people are not working because of the virus? Hmm. So the virus itself. So they're saying about three point eight million people are unable to work or reported reduced oh. hours due to the businesses closing or reducing operations. They're saying it was about 5 million in September that were saying they actually couldn't, their mm-hmm. their job itself was being impacted by the virus. Okay. I didn't uh, know if it's because their job or if it, because they were afraid to go to work, but it sounds like, so the virus caused roles to be either reduced in hours or completely, I guess, furloughed or shut down again. Absolutely. So the, okay. a big one of that would be like the hospitality industry. You know, some people are still waiting. They're seeing the trends go down, but a lot of people are, are still scared to go back to work because of the mm-hmm. virus or their job itself's impacted. Sure. So that's one that I get it and, and we've seen it. That's not one of the ones that we can really attack right now. Another one I think is very interesting is will retirees come back to the labor force? Mm. Ooh, that's a good question. I would, I mean, I guess I would say like, why would they want to? But I guess it just depends on people's monetary situations. Because I feel like once my parents retired, they, 
I don't know, their life, like their, their life enjoyment increased. <laughs> I don't know. I feel no, like, I, absolutely. I don't know. I mean, I've said that. I mean, my parents, specifically my, my father, who's a business owner and he was a very hard worker. I mean, his fuck basket's empty. He's having mm-hmm. so much fun being retired and he will, he'll just tell you, you know, he's like, yeah. Oh, I don't, he's like, I don't care about that anymore. You know, we'll talk about things in the industry and stuff. And he's like, yeah, I, I, I don't care about that at all anymore. Life's too short. Talk about something else. So he's, I mean, yeah. So I think, you know, my thought is I think some people might come back once the pandemic's over, but if you think about it, who you know, retirees, they're in the age range where COVID is extremely dangerous. So I feel like some people, like once the pandemic has turned endemic, they'll be bored and ready to come back. I think other people will be like, this is my life. I, I certainly feel like that's an interesting question. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a tough one to answer. I feel like COVID has truly changed everything about the workforce. Well, not everything, but you know what I mean? It, it has, the workforce has is, is changed permanently. It's not going to go back to where it was in 2019. I feel like that we are just in a different world and, and it will never go back to the way it used to be. That's Absolutely. And mm-hmm. just some stats for you on that. Uh, retiree ranks increased by 3.6 million from wow. February, 2020 to June, 2021 greater than 1.5 million retirements that would have been expected under mm-hmm. the pre-pandemic trend. There were, and a big part of it was, ab- you're absolutely right, some of them just had health concerns, they didn't want to put sure. themselves at risk, and there are more baby boomers leaving the labor market, and, and that's something that's been a topic for a while, and a yeah. lot of people have kind of ignored it not and chosen not to get in front of it, but we all know boomers and they are ready to retire and rightfully so. There is a prediction that we won't see as many people come back out of retirement. The ones that are just miserable and unhappy in retirement may still return, um, but it, it's not going to be uh, the trend that it was in the past. Mm-hmm. This, is, this other one's interesting and the way they worded it, I wish they would have done it a little differently. But the next question is, how long until the women's employment recovers? Mm-hmm. Um, so they're saying mm-hmm. school reopenings were predicted to bring waves of women back to the workforce, sure. but has yet to happen and may not. Um, wow. Tra- tracking how long it takes those women, including black and Hispanic women, hardest hit by the pandemic job losses to get back to work is going to be very important focus of poly- policymakers over the next six months. So. Yeah. The reason I wanted to word it a little differently is, you know, leading with the school reopenings, I have seen an increase, and I'm not going to say it's this huge dramatic influx in the market, but as some families have decided to go to a single income dynamic, I've seen just as many men choose to stay at home uh, as women if they are in similar levels of profession. Yeah, and I I definitely feel like it's it's obviously women were impacted more when it came to childcare just because of just I don't know I don't want to say historical but there's just the the the, the way that the world works it's like women tend to ha- take the brunt of the childcare that's just how society works so when kids you know when schools closed and someone had to take care of the kids it tended to be 
the woman. And, and I'm not saying, you know, that it what there weren't a ton of men impacted, but it tended to be tended to be women. But to me, I feel like the bigger issue that again, thinking about how the working world is going to change and we'll never go back to the way it was, but uh, in the United States, there's a whole just issue to think about, and that's the whole like childcare and you know thinking about people like the cost of childcare and how hard it is to be able to work and um, you know to be able to work and, and have good childcare for for families. So I think this is a bigger issue that needs to be looked at uh, for the future and figuring out ways to make it so that women can. You know, if they choose to be in the workforce, they can stay and not have to choose or not have to, um, you know, yeah, not have to choose between taking care of their children and, and having the career that they want. And I feel like to each their own. I'm sure someone went home and like, hey, I, this is I want to stay home and I want to raise my children. I hate that there's a whole kind of working moms versus stay at home moms type of a battle. You know, I feel like that we should all respect each other's choices and uh, know that each is a hard job and that, you know, just respect uh, each other. <laughs> I know it just went into a tangent, but that's how I feel. No, I, I completely agree. It, it is embarrassing when I talk to people from other countries about the workforce mm-hmm. and, and the way our childcare system is set up. It, it shouldn't be the obstacle it is. The two things that I mean, there's tons of things that obviously we need to change and move forward as a country and the workforce mm-hmm. as a country. Healthcare, I believe, is the obvious the big obstacle. And but then as companies, I think we should take more of a role in child care. And I do believe it is investing in your workers. Yes. And in you know, if you can really implement some great in-house child care programs like we saw some of those happen in the 80s and then they just dissipated and there there was this supposed promise of great child care in the workplace that just never happened and it's mm-hmm. it started back in the 70s and then like i said we saw some trends in the 80s and then all of a sudden it was no longer a topic it just child care became like health care it's just part of our problem and so right. i definitely think if someone takes a role and finds a way to help on the childcare side and puts a good program together as part of their business i think they should definitely see the rewards for it but uh, i think they would wake up feeling a little better about themselves in the morning as well I so a little less a little less hot mm. topic are savings keeping people at home I didn't think that's one, honestly, Hannah, I really didn't think of. Uh, I thought of people that were still cash, you know, the unemployment stuff, the benefits as long as possible. And some people did double dip. So I thought of that, but I never thought of the savings accumulated during the pandemic as consumers reduce spending. Yeah. Uh, So you have not only the receiving of the stimulus checks, and the federal pause on student loans and those that took advantage of pause on mortgage payments. Mm-hmm. But then you do have that money we just didn't spend. I mean, not going so... out to movies, not going out to shows. I mean, my gosh, Here's... you have to mortgage your house to go to a concert anymore. <laughs> Here's my thought. Uh, you know, I think our savings keeping people at home. I'd say yes and no. I don't think people are just sitting there. I mean, th- th- I mean there might be some people sitting there just kind of going through their savings. But I do feel that people, it's helping people be a little bit more picky about their next role. And 
So people can focus on finding that that next job that they will be happy with. I think, again, another side effect of the pandemic is a lot of people realize that life is too short to spend, you know, their entire lives working. But there's much more to life than just your job. So I think a lot of there's a lot of people changing careers. So it's affording them to be, you know, to wait for that uh, for the job they actually want versus being that person that just takes the next thing available. So I, I, I can see that. Um, I, again, I don't feel like it's I don't think this is a long term thing. I can't imagine that that enough people had enough savings to uh, stay at home forever. But I do feel like it'll help people be able to change either industries or change careers, something uh, like that. Yeah, I agree. I would actually call this one the silver lining Mm -hmm. of the labor and pandemic, you know, and how the pandemic impacted it, because I do think there are people that have been able to take advantage of saving some money and Mm -hmm. are looking at this year as really spending quality time with their family before they do have to get back to work. And like you said, picking the right job. So this is the one that I think impacts you and I the most as we talk about this topic from a work perspective, because the people that this is a temporary fix for, the ones who are just taking advantage of a situation to write, spend time with their family and, and find the right fit, those are the people that we are typically interested in. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in the person who's just staying home as long as they can until they have to get back to work, right. you know, and riding it out. That's not really the part of the labor force that impacts us as professionals. That's the part of the labor force that impacts us going out into the world, retail uh, mm-hmm. and, and other things. Places are not open or have limited hours and or you can only hit a drive through their dining rooms closed. You know, I don't have to work, so I'm not going to. But the ones that are really benefiting from not spending as much and being smart fiscally while yeah. being laid off. Not only is it the silver lining that they get to do this and spend time with their family, it's the silver lining for us that they're the ones that have to come back. Mm-hmm. Or start, hopefully are coming back, fingers crossed. Um, yeah. The next one I kind of call this a little silver lining too is, how many people prefer to work for themselves? Mm. I, I have seen some new restaurants opened by people that actually yeah. started um, pizza companies out of their garage. I was like, how did they do that from a legal standpoint? But there's a big one uh, that's Detroit style pizza that's opening up in the Midwest and they're quickly expanding. And it started as them yeah. trying to do things. Well, uh, I feel like to me, this started... Not necessarily, I mean, I feel like a ton of people, yeah, that's the, the American dream to have your own business. But if you think about it, if you were furloughed or laid off and, you know, in an industry that wasn't hiring, such as hospitality, then, it, you know, you were sitting there thinking about, well, what can I do now? What can I do different? Mm-hmm. How can I make some money now? And it's, you know, starting maybe a little Etsy business, starting, you know, something where you're selling on Facebook Marketplace. I feel like the internet or social media, as much as I love to hate it, uh, social media has allowed, you know, for for people to be able to start these little businesses and, and start by s- selling small and building into something larger. So I think about all like in my little where I live now, I think about all the little bakeries, people selling pies out of their homes or baked goods or 
handcrafted items or, you know, maybe it does turn into a from a food truck to an actual like, uh, you know, brick and mortar type of a location. So, yeah, I think it's super cool. But I also think it's a it's a it's a response to people just being at home. And, you know, of course, you know, I worked throughout the pandemic, as did you. But you, you sit there if, if, if everything is shut down and you're just stuck at home. I think that was a perfect time for people to really start thinking, well, what's next for me? So I'm not surprised by this. And I feel like we'll continue to see more of this, especially with the gig economy. People can be taking, you know, those gig jobs, doing DoorDash, Uber while they're building their dreams. And I'm like, I'm all for it. But of course, you know, I know I'm going to get some people who are not a big fan of the gig economy just because of, you know, talking about how companies can take advantage of their, you know, take advantage of those independent contractors and whatnot. And that's a whole other subject. But I do feel like it's a really cool time for people to to work for themselves. And it's it's really it's hard work. It's a lot of effort. And uh, I but I think it's super cool. I agree. I, it, it it presents opportunities that didn't exist before and people were able to seize it. That's great. And, uh, you know, some people will have success from this. Mm-hmm. Some people will find out that their idea wasn't such a great idea or they didn't enjoy it as much and they'll return to the labor force. So I I think it is, I I actually think there's nothing but positive things to say about it. What we supposedly, our entire country is based on as far as and coming up with great ideas and risk takers and innovators. And it's good for other people to actually get a rare opportunity and even realize, hey, I got a chance to try something. It wasn't what I thought it was. So I'm going to go back to doing what I was doing and I was good at it. I think just the fact that more people had the opportunity to try mm-hmm. um, is, I, I th- you know, that's something I don't think we see enough of anymore. And the last one, kind of the wah-wah part of the list <laughs> is will immigration rebound? It's just because the topic itself is a tough topic. But uh, immigration declined over the past several years under former President Donald Trump and his stricter policies during the pandemic. Visas issued to work eligible foreigners declined by 1.2 million during the pandemic. And this trend is reversing as the infections drop and restrictions are loosened. The number of immigrant workers could rise by between 250 to 500,000 next year from the current level. So we will see, you know, a rebound in immigration, some much needed areas of the workplace at all levels. Tech side, too. That'll that'll bring a little normalcy to the market and spark some competitiveness at different levels as well, I think. So I think we're kind of in the worst part of it right now or still in the thick of it. Mm. I think we'll see some upswings. But I'm with you and what we discussed in our last episode. Things need to change. People mm-hmm. need to speak up, though. They don't need to just not go to work. Let's start talking about what it's going to take to bring you back to the workforce. And that's something that we need people to take a deep dive. And we need some people to step up and be the voices of change. And and we're seeing some of it creep in. I saw a mainstream article about the four-day work week in the last uh, week or so. But it's still kind of quiet and I don't think people are listening and we need Mm -hmm. someone to step up and be the company that leads the change. But we also need some voices to speak up and tell us exactly what changes need to be made. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with that. I feel like it's a it's a different world 
And if, I mean, if you truly think about it, and I'm, this is not my idea, this is, you know, talked about, but that five day work week was created, you know, a hundred years ago and technology and life is so different. And is, is that still, you know, is this still the right thing for society? And a lot of people would say, no, we really need to kind of, this is anecdotally, but I, I talk to people I work with and they talk about how, you know, two day, their two day weekend, which this again, sounds like first word first world problems, but it's not enough for them to kind of do everything that they couldn't do during the week, plus recharge, plus have a life. So I've had a couple of people come to me saying, hey, we want to look into a four-day work week and, and see if that's something that could work for us, which, you know, that's a that's a big change. And you'd have to get a lot of people on board for that. But yeah, I, I would love to see a big company, a big kind of visible company uh, pilot it or just run with it to show how, how it would work if it would work because I do think it's a different world and we need to rethink our work week our work day or work month whatever it might be I, I'm all for it <laughs> yeah absolutely and as we've said a lot recently you know if you want to retain the people you have now you have got to find out what makes them tick get to know mm-hmm. them as individuals And then most importantly, make sure they know that you appreciate them. There's always a tendency that when we have these great workers, we're not hyper aware to appreciate them. Not only do we start to take them for granted, but as we're, you know, making plans, we just always go, okay, well, we know we've got at least this because of these great employees that they become the baseline and you're not acknowledging how much they really bring to you. So it's really a time to, you know, get to know your people, acknowledge those that are there for you, acknowledge the ones that you want to see improve in the future, invest in your people, find out Mm -hmm. what it takes, what they need to move forward, help them grow individually and professionally. Hannah, I, hell, I have told you how much I appreciate working with you in the last couple of years. It, but it's funny. Here's here's what I really did want to tell you. And just to our listeners, I'm going to I'm not even going to try to pretend I have I have my notes on what I wanted to cover today. And one of them was thanking <laughs> Hannah. And there's a lot I want to thank Hannah about. But we do our little 15, 20 minute warm up and our little catch up before this. And she friggin thanked me. And I was like, ah, damn you, Hannah Hampton. <laughs> Because she and I'm gonna I'm getting a little emotional here, but she actually yeah. thanked me and I had to tell her because I was gonna surprise her on the air and, and thank her. And I had to tell her, listen, I've got to tell you this because if I don't, you're gonna think I'm just doing it because you just thanked me. So we had a laugh and that but that right there, I think, is a great snapshot of who we are as friends yeah. and that these are the types of things that we always do. We've been doing this podcast for almost two and a half years. Oh my gosh, are you serious? I am serious. We've been doing this for almost two and a half years. I, every once in a while, as I figure out what we're going to do next and some things I want to pitch to you, I'll go back and look at old episodes. Mm -hmm. I have grown so much as an individual by arguing with you and, and this is what's so frustrating about social media is everyone just takes their stance and everyone else is wrong and no one budges. Mm-hmm. I have listened to my co-host and friend. I have looked at things that she's recommended I look at when she has quoted things to counterattack something I say. I write down where she got it and I go back and read the entire article and that has helped me grow. And it. you have 
pulled me kicking and streaming, screaming, <laughs> screaming and screaming, streaming and screaming further and further left over the last two oh, and a half years as I was wild. holding, holding on to what more conservative beliefs I have. Most of them are professional, but um, you have helped me grow, not only grow as an individual, but be more true to my old punk rock self. And uh, I love you for it. And I just want to say thank you. Not only for keeping the human in human resources, but keeping the human in McDanzig. And I look forward to working with you in the future. Oh, thank you. Uh, The feeling is mutual. And on that sappy note, we'll talk to everyone soon. We'll have an episode of This Is Not An HR Podcast. Take care. Namaste. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.